This is District Sentinel Radio. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for Chip Chat, where we're joined by journalist Chip Gibbons. Hey, Chip. Hello. I don't know why I always say hello. Like, I'm, I'm surprised to hear that you're talking. Hello. Like, hello there. <laughs> what are you kids doing in my computer? In addition to being an excellent journalist, Chip is also the policy director at Defending Rights and Dissent, though he speaks only on his own behalf here on Chip Chat. And today we're going to be discussing some uh, some actions by the attorney general. But before we get to that, I, I can't wait to share some some snack news with you guys. Um, so my recommendation, I, I I got a new bag of chips here. Uh, Utz, mm. Utz chips. Um, and it's it's a kind of chip I had never seen before. They uh, are made from russet potatoes. These chips they they're called they're called dark russets, and they they're a much darker color. They have a more more uh, I'd say earthy flavor to them. I think most most chips are made from like Yukon Gold or like white you know yellow or white potatoes. But uh, these these russet chips are interesting and tasty if you're looking. To mix it up from your normal chip routine, go with the uh, dark russets, and uh, I think you'll be happy. I don't know why anyone would want to mix it up from their normal chip routine. I think chip chat is all the chip routine you need. <laughs> chip chip I, is quite the reactionary when it comes to chip discourse. Yeah, I don't really like change. I, uh, I think Utz should send us a few uh, bags of free dark russets dark after russets. Uh, <laughs> after after that display by the other Sam. I would not uh, I would not object. I guess we would have to disclose it if we entered into some sort of agreement. But uh, uh, I don't consider uh, getting bags of chips as compensation too, um, you know, nefarious I mean, or. Well, I'd be a compromising. whistleblower, whistleblower uh, anonymous source tipping off the Washington Post that you guys are uh, getting all these free chips. <laughs> I, I'd send it to WikiLeaks. I'd send pictures of the chips to WikiLeaks anonymously. Chip chat has been compromised. I always want to be a whistleblower. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, so... We promised We've, the listeners last time a wine recommendation. We also promised the listeners last time we would talk about blue leaks, but we're not talking about no. that this week because uh, the attorney general has changed the topic on us. Yes, he has. Uh, you, want me to set the, it, you want me to set it up or are you going to set it up? Sure, I'll set it up. Um, so on June 26th, Attorney General William Barr announced the creation of an FBI task force on anti-government extremists. Uh, I think we have to take a step back and ask, what is anti-government extremist? Anti-government extremist is a category of domestic terrorism the FBI created sometime in 2019. Uh, They've used a number of categories of domestic terrorism over the years. In the early 2000s, they were using the the framework. They were right-wing terrorist, left-wing slash Puerto Rican terrorist. I don't know why. They slashed Puerto Rican onto that. And then special interest groups, which were the animal rights, terrorists, et cetera. But, uh, but sometime, at least in 2017, they started claiming that there were nine persistent domestic extremist movements in the U.S. 
those movements are white supremacy extremism, black identity extremism, militia extremism, sovereign citizens extremism, anarchist extremism, abortion extremism, and in all of the FBI's literature on abortion extremism, it mentions violent acts carried out by both sides of the abortion debate, which is nonsensical. Uh, animal rights extremism, environmental rights extremism, and Puerto Rican nationalism. Um, so the black identity extremism was quite controversial because it was entirely made up. And what it said was that if African-Americans are upset about quote unquote perceived racism, they might engage in lethal retaliatory violence. Uh, the FBI then announced they were no longer using that term. And then it turns out what they had done was they had consolidated those nine categories into just four. So they took white supremacy and black identity extremism and made it racially motivated violent extremism. And then they took militias, sovereign citizens, anarchists, and possibly Puerto Rican nationalism. I don't know if that's been dropped completely or merged with another category. And they, and they uh, made that anti-government extremism. So when we're talking about anti-government extremism, we're talking about a category that includes both left-wing groups like anarchists and right-wing militias. And one of the big criticisms of this consolidation was that it was about sort of hiding the ball, right? Like if the FBI reported it was doing like X number of black or racially motivated violent extremism investigations, we wouldn't know if that was into black people who don't like racism or into like actual white supremacist terrorism. Same goes with the anti-government category. And, and in his announcement, you know, Barr mentions Antifa, but he also mentions the, the Boogaloo movement. Um, but it's very clear that this is an attack on left-wing protest. It comes at a time when uh, people on the right are sounding increasingly unhinged. You know, Trump and Barr are trying to turn Antifa into this boogeyman. Uh, the same day this came out, Trump also issued an executive order on defending statutes that made explicit refuge um, that that made explicit reference to uh, political ideology. It's a very disturbing document. Uh, it says in one part of it, many of the rioters, arsonists, and left-wing extremists who have carried out and supported these acts have explicitly identified themselves with ideologies such as Marxism, the call for the destruction of the United States government. Anarchist and left-wing, this is an executive order. Anarchist and left-wing extremists have sought to advance a fringe ideology that paints the United States as fundamentally unjust and sought to impose that ideology on Americans through violence and mob intimidation. So this is like red scare, like rhetoric. And then you also have all these people talking about, you know what this reminds me of? The Bolshevik revolution, or this is just like the French revolution. So there's this really sort of disturbing atmosphere where you see this red scare-esque rhetoric. And then Barr announces this task force. And I also want to point out some other disturbing things about it is that in the uh, release announcing it, uh, Barr says the task force is not just about prosecuting people who commit domestic terrorism. It's about preventing violence before it occurs and ultimately eliminating it, it being anti-government extremism as a threat to public safety and the rule of law. 
And while preventing violence may sound sort of noble in the abstract, this is a really disturbing thing for those of us who are familiar with the FBI's use of radicalization theory, which has been the basis of their countering violent extremism programs in the past. Uh, radicalization theory has been widely attacked by a variety of experts as being completely bonkers and bunk. Uh, it's also been attacked by civil libertarians. The basic gist is that, you know, if you start off, you, there's a set process to becoming a violent extremism extremist. First, you get radical ideas or extremist ideas, and then you progress on to, you know, violence. Uh, they developed a game for teenagers to teach teenagers about violent extremism. And one of the issues where there's someone you should watch out to is a student who posts a Facebook uh, status update about, you know, going to an animal rights protest. So basically, if you have First Amendment protected views the FBI considers extreme, uh, those views could lead you to become violent. So therefore, the idea of preventing violence before it occurs inherently relies on going after this type of speech. In, in this case, you know, anti-fascist ideology or Marxist ideology. And the whole eliminating it as a threat before it begins veers really, really, really dangerously to COINTELPRO territory, our counterintelligence, counterintelligence program. You know, Hoover created COINTELPRO in 1956 because he thought there were not enough ways to prosecute members of the, of the Communist Party. Therefore, they didn't have a law enforcement method to, someone's banging around a lot. Uh, therefore, they did not have any sort of law enforcement way to go after them. So they were going to neutralize, disrupt the sort of first amendment protected speech before, because they thought it was threatening to the country. And that expands into, uh, you know, civil rights, anti-war activists, all kinds of speech they don't like. Uh, interestingly enough, at one point it encompasses the Ku Klux Klan, and the reason for treating the Ku Klux Klan as a COINTELPRO operation and not a criminal operation was that because, you know, Southern law enforcement and the Jim Crow South was so in bed with the Klan, there were no avenues for prosecution. So COINTELPRO was not a surveillance program, it was a covert action program deliberately designed against speech and movements that they did not think they could prosecute or for, for other reasons. Um, and what Barr is talking about sounds very, I don't want to be alarmist, but it, it's not COINTELPRO, but it's getting close to that sort of logic where we are eliminating a threat before it strikes, and that threat is defined as like anti-government extremism. Right? It's, it's not a crime to be an anti-government extremist. It's not a crime to be an anarchist extremist, or any of these things. That uh, that might have been me banging around. By the way, I, my chair—it's your squeaky chair. My my chair is squeaking. I I didn't realize it was that loud, and uh, I apologize. But I always uh, assumed it was Sam. Not I never once assumed Sam sounds <laughs> banging around. I uh, I saw it on, on a personal level, on a personal note, connected to what's going on is um, I was running an errand the other day and I saw at the bus stop, at the Metro bus stop, the FBI was running an ad 
trying to get people to snitch on uh, people who were allegedly at Lafayette Square Park damaging the Andrew Jackson statue. And uh, it seems like they are, this is part of that, and uh, they're really trying to get a whole lot of doors kicked in soon. And uh, I don't know, Chip, did you see those ads? Uh, what, no, what, did you take what, a picture of one? I didn't. I was actually driving at the time, so uh, I didn't want to be like that dipshit reporter on MSNBC who was uh, <laughs> recording a, a, a segment and reporting while driving around Dallas. Uh, I saw Sam Sachs tweet that out. <laughs> I wanted a death wish. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was. I was waiting for the blooper reel finish, but it, yeah. it, it never happened. Oh, Trump tweeted four hours ago or yesterday, um, we are tracking down the two anarchists who threw paint on the magnificent George Washington statue in Manhattan. We have them on tape. They will be prosecuted and face 10 years in prison based on the Monuments and Statues Act. Turn yourself in now. This is insane. I mean, this is like Trump turning into a next door guy. And I think I saw yesterday he retweeted a bunch of like, a bunch of FBI posts about um, random yeah. alleged statue vandals. And um, like, do you remember uh, about what was it? Eight or nine years ago when Pussy Riot did the did the punk prayer in, in the cathedral and uh, they got a, they got a prison sentence and, and everyone freaked out. And, um, you know, rightfully so, it seemed way disproportionate. I mean, this Do seems you mean like when a, the State Department paid Pussy Riot to say Trump. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I was just going to say that this seems, this seems a little like that on uh, on on steroids. On uh, like this is this is insane. Like the president is fucking you know, is uh, spending his time being like a Reddit detective I do, trying, I do to get, want, trying to get petty vandals arrested yeah. for 10 years. I do yeah. wonder and not to not to like discount the threat of this i mean as someone who considers trump a, a fascist and an extreme threat especially the people in his administration um it does it, like a common theme of his presidency is like is is he doing this for pr reasons or for propaganda reasons or is he doing this to actually enforce um like is he going to begin arresting uh antifa members and throwing them in jail or is this just like uh, a ploy to put out into the news hey the doj is investigating this so there must be something there with these groups that are uh, infiltrating these peaceful protests and causing riots it reminds me of like at the height of the and we're still at the height of the pandemic i don't know why i'm saying that in the past tense but the administration started putting out all these intel reports about investigating chinese labs for the wuhan virus you know obviously they didn't actually think that's the case but if they can put this information out there that investigations are taking place and work is being done within the government it sort of lends credence to the claim that violent anti-government groups are are behind these rioting uh, that we so, see that protest. This isn't Trump, though. This is Barr and the FBI. It's headed by two U.S. attorneys. Well, uh, uh, it's staffed by people from the USAO office, FBI agents, and um, other relevant partners. And who other relevant partners are 
the FBI has the lowest threshold for investigating someone it's had since after the church committee, a factual predicate suggesting um, a crime or a threat to national security is no longer required to investigate someone as of 2008. Uh, when the guidelines were first put on the FBI in the mid-70s, you weren't allowed to use a, uh, an infiltrator or confidential informant unless it was the highest level of investigation. Now you can use an infiltrator without any evidence, just anything. So I think that if the FBI is putting together this task force that is not just focused on prosecutions, right, it's not just a law enforcement task force, but is focused on gathering and sharing information and studying quote-unquote anti-government extremists, by which they clearly mean left-wing protesters, disseminating that information and working to disrupt or eliminate the threat before it strikes, I think that's a little bit terrifying. Uh, is Trump going to turn into like the next door detective and have random petty vandals thrown in jail for 10 years? I don't know, but I find this task force very disturbing. And it, it isn't just prosecutions. It's the fact that they're considering their mandate you know, the fact that they're considering their mandate larger than prosecutions is itself very troubling. You know, when the FBI has engaged in its most troubling political surveillance, it's always been when it's gone beyond, like, you know, we're going to do law enforcement and gather evidence to prosecute people. And when it's gone into, like, we're going to do these broad sweeping intelligence investigations with no sort of prosecution in sight, just gathering information about subversive movements. And, and this is getting us close to Hoover territory. You know, I, I don't want to be alarmist. I don't think, you know, we're in like 1968 FBI, but the type of rhetoric that's being used openly, the type of things that are being discussed openly, uh, I think does signify some degree of, of escalation on the part of, of Barr and the current FBI. Be, be careful if you see a, uh, uh, a man in his mid to late 30s showing up to your DSA meeting wearing uh, skateboarder clothing saying, how do you do fellow kids? Would you like to do some directed action? Don't do it. Do not do it. Don't fall for it. <laughs> Hey, uh, Chip, before we uh, end this week's segment of Chip Chat, I was wondering if you uh, had any comments or wanted to vent about uh, how all three of us continue to have no representation. Uh, the House moved a D.C. statehood bill this week, but uh, it's obviously not going anywhere. And we uh, heard Tom Cotton yeah, uh, Tom. raging against against giving uh, DC statehood because we don't have enough manufacturing jobs or something? Uh, I no, don't know. no, no one works in the timber industry here. Ah, uh, yes. That's so nice. we're not that's a well-rounded working class state. Sucks though, huh? So the wine I was going to recommend that I promised people I would do a wine recommendation is a uh, dark horse Sauvignon Blanc white wine Per the label, it's refreshing, crisp, and citrusy. <laughs> I rather like it. Very nice. Chip is just turning to the wine to uh, drink away his lack of representation. Yes. 
it's uh it's it's 5 p.m somewhere where they don't have any representation in congress next week i will return with another wine recommendation i like this i'm just gonna elevate i'm just gonna elevate the snack portion you can talk about butts dark ruffle chips and i can talk about wines that cost 7.99 at target i uh it's the new I, uh, corporate advertising revenue stream yeah i have i have a i have some addition uh to the to the snack discourse uh, which is make cereal time better by mixing two different cereals into one bowl it's a whole new cereal experience that is that is a, that is good advice Speaking of cereals, I, I, when I was at the grocery store, I noticed a cereal brand called it was it was basically Hershey's Kisses cereal, and I think I think the cereal industry has gone too far at this point. Dessert cereal. Far. I I know dessert cereal has been a concept going as far back as Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but you've crossed a line when you're just putting Hershey's Kisses in bowls with milk. That's my that's my that's my take on that. Uh, Chip Gibbons, you can follow him on Twitter at Chip Gibbons eighty nine. Yes, to, I'm guessing uh, eighty nine. Sounds like uh, Chip. What are you? Uh, thirty one years old. I am not thirty one years old. I am thirty years old. Thirty. Sam. Your birthday's coming up then, huh? Uh you know what? You do not need to prematurely age me. Right, I got don't. very angry about was it Amy Klobuchar or someone in the debate who was like, "I'm the only person who's defeated a Republican in the last 30 oh, years," yeah. and <laughs> Sarah's like, "No, I did one in 1990." She's like, "I said last 30 years," and then I was just ra- I was drinking some wine probably. It was Elizabeth that- Warren who did it. Before that, I was just rage tweeting like, "Excuse me, that was in the last 30 years." Yep, it was it was the snake who did it. Uh, Chip Gibbons, thanks so much for doing this again. We'll see you next week. Well, I have a second wine recommendation. That's right.